Falcon Art presents an X-Ray production. Welcome to Radioactive, broadcasting from the studios of the Falcon Art Building. Radioactive discusses news, culture, and tells compelling stories, bringing a global perspective from the heart of Portland, Oregon, to the world. We interview social change makers, thinkers, builders, and creators, or anyone with a unique and powerful story, giving you a fresh, authentic view of our world and those living in it. Please welcome your host, the iconist, Jamie Mustard, and creative man of the people, Chris Regentine. Welcome to Radioactive on X-Ray FM. I am Jamie Mustard, and joining me in the studio is the man on the street, the Praetorian of Parkdale, and hero of Hood River, nobleman of Northeast, and man of the people, Chris Regentine. Every time more elaborate. <laughs> also lurking somewhere in our studio, our friend, the powerful May Arden. Good day. Good day. Good day to you all. Today we are going to be discussing a very important topic through the, through the lens of a very special guest. Today... We're going to discuss what we can't see, yet it is something that we all feel. It is the elephant in the room facing the planet right now. Marketing versus manipulation. How much are we, be, are we being sold stuff we may or may not need as a society, and how much have the lunatics taken over the asylum while mass messaging and marketing is being shoved down our throats? How is it affecting our brains? Is it hurting us? Is it right that all that is being pushed to get us to buy stuff, is this a form of manipulation that has never been seen or experienced before in human evolution or human history? Our guest today is author and marketing strategy sage, Heather Lefevre. Heather is the author of the acclaimed book, Brain Surfing the Top Marketing Strategy Minds in the World, where she ran around the world and lived in the homes of the top marketing gurus on the planet, from London and Shanghai to Seattle and Los Angeles. She studied their minds, motivations, and processes. Crisscrossing the globe as a consultant and speaker, Heather has worked for some of the, the world's leading creative agencies and brands, including Crispin Porter Bogusky, a cultural movement company. I don't know what that means, but we're going to ask Heather later in the show. Um, Strawberry Frog, Tribal DDB, Hyper Island, Burger King, Pampers, Phillips, Bacardi, and Grey Goose, to name a few. Uh, Chris, before we bring Heather in, quick question. What is marketing? Selling stuff to people. In creative ways, I think the best marketing is marketing that you don't know is happening to you. You know, but that might be manipulation, especially at the level that is happening right now. Hopefully, we're going to determine that. Okay, let's bring her in, Heather Lefevre. Welcome to Radioactive. Thank you for coming into the studio today. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Thanks, May. <laughs> okay, Heather, uh, what is marketing? Whoa, that's a deep question. Yeah, uh, I think I agree with Chris. I mean, it is it is the art of selling. 
trying to get your point of either whether it's your idea or your product or your service across to another brain. So the attempt to, to use tools to generate demand. Yeah, I think that's an accurate. Okay, so yeah. whatever those tools you may be. You went to economic school, right? Yeah, not, <laughs> not, not marketing school. So using technology or advertising or imagery or words or any kind of platform you can to generate demand, that would be uh, marketing. I agree with that. Yeah. Okay, so are we being, with all this technology and these advancements that, I mean, that, that have occurred in the last 15 years, I mean, Facebook was only launched in 2004. We seem like we've lived in this world of too much of everything forever, but it's actually been a short period of time that we've bombarded the way we've been bombarded the way that we're being bombarded. Are we being overly manipulated and marketed to? So I think that there's there's sort of two sides to it. One that you know some of these companies I don't think entirely know what their what their role is, and it's a cumulative effect of a lot of different companies and a lot of different people and how they're using the tools. But then I also think that there is there is some nefarious stuff going on because you read there was an article in the Guardian about two weeks ago something about like don't get don't get high on your own supply, and you know a lot of the executives at many of these companies don't allow their children to use their own products, don't use them themselves or restrict themselves. Okay, much but more than but the also person. but I'm also talking about just maybe the system his like t like terminator the system the machines have taken over meaning there's so many products and services now and we're being over messaged to so much have we gotten to a point where just the machine to sell things has taken over and is in a way that maybe we haven't we're not aware of because it just happens so quickly through technology that we don't know what's kind of being done with us being hitting, being hit by all this messaging. Chris, do you have a comment on that? Well, I was actually going to ask you what what companies and what products are these that you're talking about? That well, I mean, some like the Facebooks and Googles and Apples and like Steve Jobs was notorious for not letting his kids use, you know, Apple products. I did not know that. Well, Android is better. <laughs> um, uh, May. Whoa, 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 whoa. May, are we? Is there? Is there? Are we being overstimulated? Is there just too many people trying to sell stuff to too many people, and that technology has kind of gotten ahead of us to the point where there's just too much stuff, and it's not getting through, and it's just constantly creating toxic distraction and rotting our humanity w before we've even realized it. You're a millennial. You can answer this thanks for outing me <laughs> uh no it's all it's all it's all very overwhelming there's a lot of content to sift through okay um i think god everybody's being well, so it's, it's partially in an american phenomenon about like we have way more advertising here than some other countries like the u.s and new zealand are the only countries in the world that have pharmaceutical advertising so I, okay. If you well, strip that's, that's, that away, that is interesting. Those and ads then, and those ads are out of control, man. Those like, are out of uh, control. And if you look at like Vermont, Vermont's one of the only states in the United States that doesn't have outdoor billboards. It's, it's like, Sao Paulo, Brazil, also decided to cure do your psoriasis, and then yeah. they 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 list all of the might, like, might cause rectal death bleeding, and rectal death, bleeding and, and, and yeah, you're just like whoa. Control them. Yeah. Maybe I'll keep my psoriasis. <laughs> um, I guess Heather, what I'm I feel like the show you guys are being very it's very politically. Measured answers. Okay. Okay. Um, where I really want to know what you feel on a human level. Okay. So here's where I'm coming from, Heather. Okay. I know you'd still have to work in the world and you have to work for companies. So if I, I don't want you to, uh, 
I don't want to. I don't want to hurt your money if you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> but Heather, back in the 19- I am worried that a lot of people are listening to this show. So <laughs> okay, we got a huge Heather, back, huge audience. Yeah. Well, your book is your book is amazing. We're going to okay. talk about your book as yeah. well. But I want to talk about the world in which, in the context of which your book lives. Okay. So Heather, back in the 1950s, uh, it, we were being hit by about 250 to 500 advertising messages a day. Uh, I, I read a study that said this was his, the late 90s was the last study I read that we were by, by the late 90s we were being hit by between 5,000 and 7,000 advertising messages a day. In fact, there was a woman who did research for Microsoft and Apple, uh, a tech executive named Linda Stone, who coined the term continuous partial attention. Late 90s. She did that in 1998 to describe how none of us are fully paying attention anymore. So this is before social media. We couldn't process a thousand messages a day. So how is this affecting us socially on a human level? How is getting more things that we can process or possibly look at, how is it affecting our brains? So, I mean, I'm not a doctor or a neuro- neuroscientist kind of person that's measuring Our, our psyches, but yeah. you do do focus groups yeah, and you sure. do, yeah. So our, our, how is it affecting us on a human level, our psyches? What I see happening is that it's very different depending on how much, what what your socioeconomic position is. Like we're becoming a two-class society where, you know, 99% of us think we have free will and 1% of us really do, you know? So um, let that sink in. (laughs) This is where Chris, is Chris, this is where you're going to bring it to Kanye? Like do you have, do you watch advertising in your house? I think. Um, Do you well, have regular TV? I actually, I actually grew up without television. My parents okay. didn't allow me to have it or video games or and anything like that. And did you continue to do that as an adult? As an adult, I did. Um, yeah. I am, however, pretty glued to some social media. I mean, specifically Instagram, because I have a photo and video background. So I'm, okay. I'm pretty immersed in Instagram, and I do find that Instagram is like Crack. almost entirely, almost entirely advertising of some sort well yeah exactly i think there was a time when it was really pure and i remember when it first came out like 2007 or whatever where it was like this pure way of like sharing what you're doing with other people and it was really really fun back then it's morphed into this other thing where now it's not only is there all the sponsored content paid content and actual advertisements from brands but you also have people branding and sort of advertising their personal experience or whatever and you have Everyone is like everyone is really marketing savvy now. Is this right. what Kanye was talking about in his song <laughs> "New Slaves" off of Yeezus? Wait, I gotta think about that. Track. He said we're new slaves, right? No, so we're well, slaves thought, to brands, right? Is this I think what he's that talking was. About? I think that was a little more focused on the uh, black experience than advertising. But I but think you could extend. You're just it. looking for a reason to talk about. Kanye. No, I think you could <laughs> extend it out to the human experience. We're slaves yeah. to messaging and branding. I mean. Our phones are these constant distractions that trap us. A lot of it is Facebook. A lot of it is Instagram, right? I mean, I, I have uh, uh, friends that have we- that tell me they don't need a website anymore because they can do all their promotion via Instagram. May, do you have a? You, you want to chime in on this one? I love Instagram. Okay, I understand. <laughs> but is it is Instagram become a tool for just self promotion? Oh uh, yeah, a hundred percent. Okay, yeah. and and is that good? Sometimes, like, uh, if I want to promote a show and have people come see me sing, then I will promote it on Instagram and people will come. And in that way, it's really helpful. Okay, but it, but is it too much? 
it can be overwhelming. Like I, I don't like it when I'm scrolling through and it's just add, 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 add. Do you feel the need to check it all the time? And if you don't check it for a day, do you start to get a form of anxiety? I go through cycles. Okay. So Heather, um, people need to sell stuff. We as people need to buy stuff. How much is this a necessary process? And again, how much is stuff being shoved down our throats, making us consume things we don't need and distracting us to the point of harming us? That is a very philosophical question, Jamie Mustard. Yeah, um, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, you wrote a philosophical book in a way. In a way, in a way. Um, let's see here. So. Is this something you think about? Absolutely, I think about it. I'm 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 torn about it because I will take these these apps off of my phone and I will take detox breaks from these. Well, things. give us the human answer and then mm-hmm. give us the person that still wants to make a living as a high level strategist answer. Yeah, I mean, I think the human answer is is that it's undecided and a lot of people are trying to figure it out right now, and so there there is this phenomenon of a tech lash that's happening right now. That's like a term that people are using is maybe I should just completely get rid of it. Um, and I don't think that's the answer either. But when you're, when you're using a lot of heavy language, like we're being manipulated and, you know, it's not like it's, I don't believe that there are subliminal messages in these things. Do you, do you remember, like, do you know about the whole subliminal advertising thing? Like people used to think that they were putting images that were either sexual or actual specific messages into ads to get people to do stuff. I think all it is, is that these companies understand how the brain works a little bit better than the individual does. But you as a human being mm-hmm. must have a, a viewpoint of view of what all this overload does to you, does to you in your marriage, does to you in your family. Is it something you think about? It's something I think about in the sense of like, I have shut myself away from it. I have the content that I consume is mostly advertising free and that's purposefully designed that way. And if you, I'm looking at advertising, it's because I'm most of the time, it's because I'm working on something. Yeah, let yet you work and you consult and you're a strategist for advertisers. N- not just advertisers. So I would, I think there's a distinction between being an advertiser and a marketer, which is maybe a fine distinction. But putting your stuff into the marketplace and trying to find the people who, what you have to offer is a good match for, is different than just screaming into the void and dumping onto people. So. Mm-hmm. My Different f- brands operate differently. Okay, I get it. My, my friend uh, Jelani Memory okay. helped create a company called Circle, which is based here in Portland. Hugely successful. They're in every Best Buy in America. That It's a device. It's a piece of hardware and software that can monitors and can limit what your kids watch and monitors all the online time of a family to help start to control it. And I guess you could even say his device, Circle, would be a form of tech lash. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. check it out. Check yeah. Circle Media out on <laughs> check it out on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever used any of those apps that show you how much you're using your phone or I, how much you're using? I don't use apps. Oh boy, oh. I, haven't, I haven't. You do use apps because you've you've messaged me before. <laughs> uh, I use one app. One app. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm anti-app. Uh-huh. Um, so here we are with Heather Lefever, author of Brain Surfing: The Top Marketing Strategy Minds in the World. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm fighting. The flu that is traveling the world right now, uh, chasing Heather. Um, she is the author of uh, Brain Surfing, the top marketing strategy minds in the world. And here we are on X-Ray FM. Today we are talking about marketing versus manipulation. How much is too much? 
I know that uh, an FX executive, John Langraff, came out a couple years ago and said that there's something like 400 new shows that come out every year between reality and dramas. And uh, what do you watch? There's too many good shows. I'm a, I do love premium television, but I have to, I have to people say, Hey, you need to watch breaking bad, which I never watched. And I'm, oh, I just, there's too many shows and it's just not on the queue. And then I, Hey man, well you're breaking bad. You're that's you dude. You, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I want to watch a show about a meth lab cooker guys. Right. But there's just so again, it's just another example of too much of everything. Um, are we being marketed to the point of harm? And do you think that it lessens, because you're talking about how you cut out advertising. So um, do you, so if you didn't do that, you must think that it, it harms your human condition if you consume it. So how? Well, I was a bit anorexic in high school. So I, I'm like, when that happened to me, I looked into it and I decided that the way that women were being portrayed in the media was probably not something helpful for me. So I stopped reading magazines. That was probably the first thing that I did probably at about age 20. Even so, Cosmo? Even Cosmo. Okay. Especially yeah. Cosmo. Okay. <laughs> Chris, is all of this messaging bombardment and advertising and these co- these these companies with their algorithms trying to constantly figure out how to sell us more stuff, is it harming the human condition? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I just uh, recently was looking at some video and photo equipment on my desktop and uh and I opened up Instagram and there was an ad for B&H photo and all of the things that they were showing me in the ad were things that I looked at on my desktop and I was just like, oh man, this is getting to be too much. You know, like the, the, um, how do you say, like the collection of your data and then sharing it across your devices so that mm-hmm. there's this communication going on between my desktop and my phone. It's called retargeting. Retargeting. Mm-hmm. It's always funny, you know, Stalking. You, you, you like order something, you order something on Amazon and, and they don't the even next, know that you bought it for the next two days. You just see ads for that thing, mm-hmm. you know? So some of those things to me are, um, they seem pretty invasive and a little bit scary. And I, I know that, you know, companies like Google and Facebook and, uh, Apple, they, they make all of their money through that, you know, those that selling that data for advertising. And so they're not going to be transparent with you about how much of the of your personal data they're collecting and then how much of it they're going to resell and use. May, May what are your thoughts on just being overly, overly stimulated? There's a lot of content out there to sift through. Okay. Well, um, here's what here I get. <laughs> I feel like everyone's giving me kind of like the the PC answers. I think you're answers. two things. Like there's a lot of stuff, yes, but then there's also the modalities that people do. Like act now, this price for only for one hour. You know, there's here's here's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Okay, when we're when when we're hit with too much of something, we have a natural response. Okay? To shut down. To shut down. Like if we eat too much, we drink too much. What do we do? We reject it. We you know we throw it up. Right. I mean, I don't want to be gross, but. But we reject it, right? So we're getting hit with all this information. We can't process it all. So the natural human response is to kind of push it away and reject it, yet we're kind of relying on it. I mean, and, you know, I don't know how Facebook is sussing me out, but I feel like, I don't know if it's my friends or what, but all I'm getting is animal videos, okay? That's what I'm getting. So there must have been 
too many friends at one point where I watched one too many uh, caribou videos or kit, like a guy and a, 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 hit, uh, a rapper in the bath with his kitten or something too much to the point where now it seems like all I'm hit with. Well, the average person is worth $7 a year to Facebook. Your eyeballs are worth That's $7 it. to them. Yeah, I'd happily pay yeah, but if $7 you've... to stop showing me ads. They don't you have had no the idea choice. it was that low. Yeah, it's that low. If it's that, that like 7 a day. That's yeah, but average. when you got a billion no. users and you add what's $7 times a billion. Sure, sure. I don't I can't even do that math, but it's a lot. Okay. <laughs> Chris, what is social media? <laughs> <laughs> Social media, um, <laughs> apps, apps mostly nowadays that uh, you can use to share information about what you're doing with uh, people in your social circle and comment and chit chat about it. I think it's a great way to stay connected with people that I don't see very often. I have friends in France, especially that I spent time with in like 2009, 2010, that I haven't seen since then. Going on 10 years since I've seen them, but like I see pictures of their kids on Facebook. It's really cool to be like, oh, that's what they're doing. When I did uh, Charlie's Vietnam photo book, he kept in touch with everything that I was doing with that project via Facebook and then ended up ordering books and prints and he has books and prints in this, France You guys are, this crowd is way too unaware of what mass messaging hey, hey, I'm social just trying media, to, I'm over just trying media to make, overload is doing I'm just to trying us. to make the point that there that there is, you know, that there are really great uses for it. You know, we actually have, I think 10,000 likes on Facebook with Charlie's project and we get in touch every day with people that we wouldn't be able to reach otherwise unless we were using traditional media like getting you know traditional press pieces or something so there is a lot of value to it and you know it's I like anything that. it's when the tv the radio came along i'm sure people thought it was going to destroy the world when t it's, when tv came along i'm sure people thought it was going to destroy the world it's kind of how we use it but is chris right heather what is social media is what he said true I think that it is true for him. And I think the different cohorts of people have different experiences. I think as a creator, it's a great way to reach out to people and to get connected. I think as an international person, I've lived and traveled a lot of different places. And I, I too like those sort of like passive, I'm still alive, you know, put a little picture of yourself and they put a picture of themselves. On the flip side, if you're just going through life and, you know, doing your, your sort of everyday rituals, and you're constantly being sucked away from your life or the things that you want to do because somebody at Facebook designed the newsfeed to be a little bit more like a slot machine. And on a basic you know? human level, how big of a deal is that on a primal level? I think it's a quite a big deal. I mean, I think we're really struggling with a lot of things. I mean, we're not the best in America. In a lot of ways, we, we were the least best in a lot of things you know but like depression and anxiety and those kinds of things and you have to look at the amount of content that we consume over here playing a role in that it's not the only thing but for sure heather tell us about your book now uh what did you do well jamie uh i was feeling insecure about myself and wanting to learn more about how why am I not an expert yet? That was what I was thinking. And this is your book, so, Brain Surfing, the top marketing strategies. Minds in the world. Minds exactly. in the world. Okay. Yeah. So instead of going back to school again or continuing to work, I asked top people around the world, hey, can I come and work with you for a couple of weeks? And oh, by the way, can I live in your house while I do it? And nine people said yes. So I just, went around. Just out and, of curiosity, yeah. how did you get in touch with those people? Some of them were over social media. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's funny. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, so you're, but you guys are all coming, like talking about how good it feels. I mean, heroin feels good. That's why people do it. Mm. Right? Do you think heroin is bad for society, Jamie? <laughs> I think. Ooh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> is it 100% bad or is there any use case where it's good? Uh, I think there's probably plenty of use cases where it's good. <laughs> so I, th- I, yeah. I want to chime in really quickly. You know, you're talking to, it's, that's interesting that you got in touch with all these people or some of them via social media. I'm at a point right now where I'm at a low point in the year for work and I've been using social media to reach out to people that I don't see very frequently. And, you know, hitting people up on LinkedIn or Facebook Messenger or Do you poke Instagram. them on Facebook? No, no poking. poking. <laughs> no poking. I usually I send them a very diplomatic message and say, hey, how you been? You can know, you still can poke? Get some coffee? You still can poke, and there's only two people I poke. I'm okay. surprised that that's still a thing on Facebook, <laughs> okay. honestly. That's not but my yeah, <laughs> So I get in touch with people via social media, and I, I went out for coffee with somebody just like a week ago and talked about doing some video work. And he said specifically, he was like, hey, man, I've been seeing all the stuff that you're posting on Instagram, all the projects that you're working on. He's like, I really like the stuff you work on. So it's like a constant live updating um, uh, portfolio portfolio of sorts. Yeah, but it also lives a a false impression because you're only putting out the best of you. And that's what creates anxiety. You don't, if you have gas that day, you don't post that on social media. But couldn't you say the same thing of an art portfolio? Like you're not going to put your ugly pieces in it. Yeah, but you're not... Putting beaming, you're not beaming your art portfolio out to the world 24 seven in every mode of contact. Well, I mean, I have a website which is like the old, older, you know, few years old version of a constant portfolio, and that is available to everybody. I think you should be more transparent on your website. I like your website. I think you could reveal more personal, human things about yourself. All right. Well, let's save that for another. Okay, Chris. It sounds to me like Heather trotted the world, living and studying master manipulators in a lot of ways and i think that would be a good dj name master manipulator yeah the master manipulator mm-hmm. what do you think may <laughs> great idea yeah yes heather could you say like is that did that ever cross your mind when you're live in shanghai living with this famous strategist that's getting people to buy stuff or you're in london or you're in seattle did you ever think i am studying a master manipulator and was there a pattern was there anything that these guys had in common. So I, guys and gals, I, yeah. I assume they had lots of stuff in common. Um, but you know, but in terms, man, yeah. I think that's that I try to see the best in people, so I don't view them as manipulators. Um, I think we look at these negative terminology. It's about the people that we don't know. And then it's like as soon as, oh, but my friend's dad is a CEO. He's not a bad person. You know, in in the one instance, we see people as good, and in the the ag- aggregate, we see them as nefarious and evil. No, but I see, no, individually, I'm sure if you live in these people's homes and they're really good at what they do, I, I assume you have an affinity for them and you think uh, they're doing good work, right? But they are, and I'm not trying to be pejorative, I'm just saying that they are um, skilled in finding ways to get people to engage right they're so, really trying to find ways to communicate okay so it's not it's like how can we what is there about this product or service that you that is even worth engaging in that to bring to the world so they're careful about what they choose they are careful yeah. so yeah. so we're all trying to get people to sell stuff it's to sell is human okay i think mm-hmm. there's a book by Dan, Dan Pink, Pink yeah. called that, right? So we, we don't want to take this thing that human beings have been doing since the dawn of time in terms of interchange and make it nefarious. Um, you you talk a lot about your, on your website about uh, what you call 
ethical competitive advantage. So I can't get you to talk smack about the people that you wrote a book on, which is good. Okay. Uh, so you're, cause you work with ethical people, but that are trying to get us to do things. Sometimes we need things. We need people to, to let us know about things that we need. So what is ethical competitive advantage? I think it's about when you're truthful and you're being authentic to why you went into business. Why did you come to the marketplace in the first place? What do you have to offer that's unique, entertaining, um, helpful to society and others? And it's not just a trade for money. You know? Okay. Yeah. Is pushing stuff on people they don't necessarily have to have mm. on too many people creating a constant distraction is that ethical so that i think you're fundamentally asking is capitalism ethical and that is something that i struggle with right now i don't know if well, if it is i think capitalism as a singular all glorious god panacea that can fix everything uh in a market is insane and i think that's part of the problem in the world that we live in right now in the, is that we we get caught up in these paradigms that you can't kind of talk against and you can't criticize through common sense. I mean, uh, is having an EPA uh, pure capitalism? No, but I want an environmental protection agency, right? So uh, I think as Americans, we get indoctrinated to believe that the capitalism is a God that's going to solve all our problems and it creates um, a lot of problems. I as don't well. believe that it's going to solve any of our problems. I think it is a lot of the problem because there's no metric for well-being that's what you're right like, exactly what i'm saying so i think there's a concept called like eudaimonia where we would somehow put that in the bottom line you know in the profit and loss statement we would care about the externalities of people okay exactly we are here with heather lefevre we'll be right back this is jamie mustard chris regantine may arden and our and our and our very very special guest heather lefevre on x-ray fm Welcome back to Radioactive on X-Ray FM. Our guest today is Heather Lefevre, author of the acclaimed book, Brain Surfing, The Top Marketing Strategy Minds of the World. Today we are discussing marketing versus manipulation. I'm here with my co-host, Chris Regantine, and our special guest and friend of the show, the powerful... May Arden. Heather, so you have worked for Burger King. For their ad agency. And yeah. you talk a lot about ethical competitive advantage. Um, is selling Whoppers ethical? So I think I came to that pers that point of view from actually having that experience. Um, it wasn't just Burger King for sure, and I've... Uh, is it ethical? I, was it ethical? I think it's like at different periods of time, things are different, like how we know I'm not things. criticizing. Yeah. I'm just curious. I criticize myself because I've worked on a lot of these brands that I don't think have been good for the food system. Yeah. But like, what about, I didn't know at the time. What about, You ever have a Wendy's burger? Oh, I've eaten pretty much at every single Those place. are pretty good. I get a lot of joy. You get a lot of joy? Yeah, from a Wendy's. If I don't think about it, I probably haven't had one in 15 years. But if I could eat one, 
Those but have you good. read any of these books like Fast Food Nation and Defense of Michael Food, Pollan's Omnivore's amazing. Dilemma? Yeah, yeah. So I can't, I can't be concerned with that. I got, I just got to live my life. I can't be concerned. With <laughs> what about what? speaking of ethics? <laughs> yeah, Chris, what about is selling Whoppers ethical? Do you think? Would you sell Whoppers for a living if you could make a billion dollars? No, nah, man. I know that everybody has their price, and not know. even for a billion. I didn't even get a million dollars. <laughs> okay, I just I, I got I far less. Don't agree with the fast food system far, far too much at this point. To it's too to fast. For it's too fast for you. It's too not unethical. Food. It's too not food. I mean, yeah. well, everything and from then the factory all of this beef production, the over production of beef, and the effect it's having on our. Um, uh, ecosystem, yeah. our environment, our right. ecosystem with greenhouse gases and all of this, the amount of land consume it takes to grow beef, uh, and how that land gets taken over by beef production and not crop. I mean, just it's a never-ending array of problems that it creates. Heather, yeah, I think it creates opportunities too because now we're seeing like Beyond Meat and we're going to be able to three D print pea proteins. So I don't think that's the only issue. Part of it is that it creates monocultures of we're just growing all the exact same wheat and the exact same corn and in big, big fields. And then the regular everyday farmer has become a thing of the past and big corporations are the only ones that grow our food. Not in Oregon. Not in Oregon. Yeah, not in this utopia. Well, I'm going to start growing food in my house. That's my goal. I want a tower garden. Oh, what will you grow? Let's let's give them a plug. What will I grow? Yeah. The, don't they, tell. <laughs> we, do, we don't know where the law is going to flush out on these things. May is uh, is is selling Whoppers ethical? Ugh. No. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, I guess they're hating on Burger King. I haven't. What? what? How are you it's going? Selling, are you going to go to bat for them now? Chipotle better? Yes. Okay. So yeah. they've, but they have done, they have done a lot to make you think that because well, yeah. while they're better than Burger King, they're still probably not living up to your food values of the things that that you guys are discussing. Also owned by McDonald's. Not anymore. Not anymore. Correct. Okay. What about Bacardi and Grey Goose? You work for them. Is that did, did you consider them. that ethical? So that was within the past year, and I de- I debate with that one because I mean it's legal, and I think people are really aware of alcohol in a way that you're making somewhat of a conscious choice. Mm-hmm. People are more aware of the like quote unquote evils of alcohol rather than, you know, the fact that the meat in your Whopper may not. Yeah, but you could, be... if you would like a Whopper, you should be allowed to eat a Whopper. The question would be, is are people that have, the thing is that if people that don't have the economic, uh, uh, this food is not only fast, it's inexpensive. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have the, the, um, the the food education or the economic resources to buy more expensive food. Do you just default to this horrible food? And it's not even resources. It's and, like the, okay. the having it near your. But like your the, house. the idea. But we should be allowed to eat whoppers, and people should be allowed to produce them. But if, as a company, you're then catering to this market where you're purposely. Um, making people unhealthy, and I'm not saying Burger King's doing that by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying, if you were to do that, um, would that then be ethical? Chris, you you look like you're about to rip the microphone off. You wanted to say something. Well, you're talking. I mean, what you're talking about. I I know that this is very idealistic and maybe a little bit unattainable. But the question that I always ask is: Is there a way to shift the food system so that we're not putting McDonald's in on every corner? And we're not marketing McDonald's to really young kids with their Saturday morning cartoons and things like that, you know, selling them unhealthy food. Is there a way to 
shift the food system and have government subsidies for healthier foods and get people eating more or do healthy, we you know do we even need the government to get involved we were just or talking that, the other yeah. day there's a there was a brand on shark tank recently that was called every table and they're in la and they have locations in wealthier neighborhoods and they have locations in what are called food deserts that that don't have varieties of food available to them and they do the bowl of food kind of thing like the healthy bowl and they charge eight dollars in santa monica and they charge five dollars downtown and so they're trying and they're still trying to make every single location profitable but within reason but is it their responsibility like this is the way corporations work they are supposed to be as profitable as possible they're supposed to return as much shareholder value as possible not do what's necessarily right for the people sure well i will say this but just to get back to gray goose and bacardi uh-huh. and then i'll address this thing with the burgers um i do like a good bourbon in the evening. Mm-hmm. It takes the edge off, right? And I got to think that taking the edge off is a good thing, right? If it's I not think abused. So, but I mean, there's, but you're talking about social media as being like a whole 100% bad, and it's the same with alcohol. Some people are predisposed to have difficulties with alcohol. I think some people are predisposed to lose time when they go into a social media app. Okay. All right. So. One um, thing that Bacardi has done that's good is they've started not photographing s- with straws. And when they teach and they make recipes and stuff, they're trying to get people to stop using plastic straws. Plastic is a huge problem. I think used. what we're... So, I mean, e- I even you. these brands, they can try to do something that can be helpful for society that you may not even know about. I think what we're getting at here, just to kind of resolve this marketing versus manipulation thing, here's what we're getting at. What we're getting at is that, and it kind of goes back to your point about capitalism is that we've, we're indoctrinated in this country, in the Western world, to believe that capitalism, just relentless, unchecked growth, is the goal, is the purpose. That has the same characteristics, and I can't, I can't quote the person that uh, said this, but it's not, I did not come up with this. That has the same characteristics as cancer, unchecked, uncharacteristic uh, growth, and that what I'm hearing when I listen to you, when I, when I listen to you talk, is uh, that we should maybe have other forms that are more uh, predominant in terms of determining our success. You know, you get to a certain point of growth, and then maybe unchecked more growth isn't always the best thing because then you end up creating industries that are unsustainable for the planet. So we need to reframe the way that we look at long-term growth. And I think the internet, which I've been bagging on today, uh, causes transparency and kind of will, will force us to do that. You know, we, we have this concept of a triple bottom line company, like people, uh, the environment, you know, beyond just profit. And um, I think every company is gonna be that because with the internet and when you can look behind the veil, um, no company can go towards unprecedented uh um, growth, no matter what effect it has anywhere. They have to start taking responsibility for the effects they're having. And blockchain is what's going to make that possible. Do you guys know? What is? So you guys were joking about um, Bitcoin earlier, but do you understand what the blockchain is that makes Bitcoin work? Uh, no, we're not going to go no. off the reservation with Bitcoin. No, 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 no. This has okay. nothing to do with Bitcoin, actually. The okay. technology that underpins Bitcoin that makes it so that you know that the transaction took place is also going to be able to let us know that this seed was planted here and then this piece of food was created there. And wow. yeah, so that's why blockchain or it didn't happen. Baby. And then the inter- so cool. the interweb can make is the reason that we can even see that. 
Yeah. Probably. Okay. So okay. I have to disagree with the statement that you just made. You were talking about we're just going to see, you know, companies can't just have unchecked growth, et cetera, et cetera, that statement that you just made. And this is something that I've been wanting to talk about on this show for a while and been pitching to you is the discussion about Amazon, because I think that Amazon presents all kinds of conversation fodder for unethical growth and absurdly fast growth and um, focus, especially on returning profit to investors at all costs, doing things with shell companies and funneling um, as much funds out of, you know, paying taxes to local governments and things like that and back into the pockets of their investors. And it goes all the way down to their like prime two day order fulfillment. I don't know. I mean, we have to like, if we're going to say stuff like this, we have... You know, I order stuff on Amazon. I find it a great convenience at a, at a better price. I'm going to send you some articles about how awful okay. Amazon well, I, is. Okay. Well, I, at this point, you know, I want to defend Amazon. What I'm saying, what I'm <laughs> saying, have another show about what it. I'm, yeah, what I'm saying is, I mean, it doesn't mean I'm right. Uh, what I'm saying is that um, when I talk about how the internet will kind of expose and make it so that every company has to take responsibility, that's a slow change, but we see it. You know, when you, when you look at the Arab Spring that occurred, in uh, 2012, that was a result of social media. People being able to share information in real time about corruption. Once people could see what was going on behind the veil in real time, uh, they were unwilling to experience it and many people would give their lives for it. When people can see what's going on behind the veil, which the internet allows, it creates, it creates, a, a, it democratizes information. Then people can, uh, then people take action. And you. a good example of that is, I mean, this is a crude example, but a good example of that is in 2008 and 2009, Domino's came out uh, and said, our pizza sucks because the internet web was telling them people think our pizza sucks. So they just did a whole we suck campaign about um, their pizza. We admit that our pizza sucks and we're going to fix it. And at a time right after the Great Recession when all these fast food companies were shrinking, Domino's, they're... Domino's had unprecedented growth being transparent and honest. So what I'm arguing is that that's the future. As more and more companies realize that transparency and honesty is what makes them sustainable because we now expect that because the internet gives us that. The the advertising world, the multi-behemoth advertising, March of the Wooden Soldiers advertising juggernaut just takes a long time to catch up. Um, point of fact, um, several years ago in the Harvard Business Review, uh, they reported that 84% of marketing programs resulted in less market share. Most efforts to get new customers lost money. Sales promotions generally lost money. Return on investment from advertising was below 4%. The UCLA Anderson School of Advertising confirmed when companies with established products doubled their advertising, they only increased their sales by 1% to 2%. Uh, why do you think this is, Chris, that advertising is less and less effective? Is it because we're just pummeled by too much crap? I don't know. I didn't read that study. It just said, like, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of information out there that says this advertising industry that just you know this we just had the Super Bowl a few days ago. Um, this gajillion dollar advertising industry where people are dancing while holding potato chips and soda pop, which I've never seen anybody do. Um, that that in uh, that though the results of those things are less and less in their effectiveness to actually generate demand. 
Heather, do you have a comment on this? It's huge to unpack. So one thing that, that goes on is like, if you're doing digital advertising, you don't even know if real humans have seen your digital ad. You know, there's lots of bots out there. We just had a conversation are, about this That last are driving week. up views. So yeah, yeah. advertising's effect. So um, even companies like PepsiCo have drastically reduced how much digital advertising that they're doing. And, and it's a lot of reactionary. Like as we learn one thing, we change our behavior in one direction and then we shoot off into another direction. But back to your point about is there too much, you can see with like the cost of Super Bowl advertising as sort of a metric, it has gone up and up. It is more expensive to buy attention now. <coughs> and there, it's very hard to find one big mass group of people consuming content at the same time. Now we watch later. We watch what we want when we want to watch. Pardon me as I'm coughing and, yeah. and, and fighting this flu that has been chasing most people in this town. Uh, Heather, is Elon Musk selling flamethrowers ethical? I, that's one of I wanted to talk about with you. I So have you guys heard about this? Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard about this? Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Okay. Tell well, me so more. Elon Musk is has a company called The Boring Company, and he wants to be drilling um, tunnels underneath like LA to reduce traffic under uh, Baltimore, et cetera. And so one of the ways to, I believe he's doing this to get attention, right? Is he selling boring brand flamethrowers for $500 a piece and he's sold out and now it's causing a whole big he stir. He sold 20000 at 500 Who's buying yeah. them? I don't know the answer to that, but I think it's the people that follow him on Twitter, that kind of And he's yeah. he's a very popular guy yeah. in the tech community. And he's joking yeah, exactly. about how you're going to need them to survive the zombie Zom- apocalypse. Yeah, so he's he le- making he lots of jokes. Lot. They're pretty yeah. cool. They're pretty yeah. cool. They look like laser guns. Yeah. Chris, uh, you grew up in an egalitarian utilitarian uh some might say utopian i might say dystopian farm in the far reaches of the gorge do we need 500 dollar flamethrowers from elon musk no but i don't need vintage motorcycles either but they're fun okay <laughs> so you would okay so yeah we so well, that's california's for threatening that they're not going to ship them allow them to be shipped like the customs and stuff because of all the fires seems reasonable yeah, seems reasonable seems very reasonable but then that just gets him more attention so that's why he's doing it in the first place he's, but, he's a weird cross between like um a comic book superhero and a bond villain like he's <laughs> but he's very savvy and he's very uh may is all funny and may is all this crap this mass consumption killing us as human beings? Well, I think there's a lot of pollution, unfortunately. Uh, um, but yeah. stuff gives us joy. Or is it just us trying to fill this dark hole? I think we're trying un- to fill a dark hole. That is unfillable. Mm-hmm. Consumer no, therapy it's is real. Yeah, it's, it's a lack of community that people... And we have an individualistic society. And we, prom- we look up to other people who have a lot of stuff. May, you think a lot of this materialism you've, t- you've mentioned to me before, you call it what these killer whales experience when they go into captivity, droopy fin sy- syndrome. Mm-hmm. Does all this consumerism contribute to anxiety and <clears throat> depression? And Well, so. I know about that term in relation to a biomechanist named Katie Bowman. And um, she talks about droopy fin syndrome uh, in terms of uh, for example, we spend a lot of time sitting and so the back body of the human is just kind of turned off, which is creating all of these issues um, in terms of like back pain and our bodies are <clears throat> becoming 
just atrophied in in some ways Slumpy. because of how much we're, yeah schlumpy yeah. is mass <laughs> yeah. consumption contributing to anxiety and depression heather in your opinion yes i think that it is we are here with heather lefever who is the author of brain surfing the top marketing strategy minds in the world where she traveled the world and interviewed some of the top thinkers on the subject of how to strategize to get attention she lived in their homes and saw their processes we are on x-ray fm i am jimmy mustard with chris regantine and the powerful may arden chris how much is the phenomenon of trump a result of us being over marketed to are people so sick of politicians over focus grouping and selling us that they would rather take a vulgar wet turd that has the illusion of shooting from the hip and talking straight than somebody that can actually get things done. I don't know if that statement is true or not, but I would actually say that, you know, so you're agreeing with me. I'm not necessarily agreeing with you, but I think that I, I would, I would rather talk about social media's relationship to politics in the, um, in the, uh, context of Bernie Sanders or even Ron Paul in 2008 because I think that those candidates are much more a reaction to the marketing of the political system and people following those candidates and that's a, that's their... a whole other show that's a show into itself yeah. Heather did marketing overload backlash is that a part of tech lash is a mark did marketing overload backlash result in Toronto dump I don't think so. I think it was actually the fact that he was he was and is a good marketer, you know, and t I just saw this like in 2014, he did like the Comedy Central roast. Did you guys see that? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, like, that. I mean, that was a that was a one hour Donald Trump ad, you know, and he did, you know, I actually worked on something for the Department of Defense and we paid him one million dollars to be in an ad in like 2006. No way. Yeah. Wow. I completely think that Trump is a result of the the two-party system, which does not represent how anybody thinks anymore, a guy coming out and saying, I'm throwing all this crap to the wayside. This is what I really think. And I don't, th do I think he's transparent? No. Did I think he did a really good job at selling transparency? Yes. But and he's I think familiar in the same way Ronald Reagan was familiar. I thought you were about to say Ronald McDonald. No. Okay. <laughs> um, so... Okay, so I, I, I completely disagree. I think that this that Hillary came across as over-focusing, grouping, focus grouping us, over-marketing to us, and that um, that was the way that uh, a lot of the GOP candidates came across that way. And here was this guy that had the illusion of shooting from the hip. It was a major part of his draw. He was, he was consistent with his message, whereas she came up with Stronger Together like sort of late into it. I think she made a lot of mistakes and he did pretty well from a marketing perspective. Heather, when, in your book, uh, was there one thing that these um, strategy gurus had in common? If you had to pick one thing. Male. They were all men? <laughs> they were not all men. There was one female, but it was very difficult. She was hard But one. in terms of their processes yeah. or the way that they saw the world, was there anything that stood, stood, stood out? I would say they're all respectful of people. So, I mean, while you keep using this term manipulator, the, the, <laughs> the people that are behind the scenes are not really trying to hurt. They are trying to help and be part of. I think they're trying to pay their more system. Yeah. I think they're trying to pay their mortgages. Right. I, and I and I think. But that they want to do it in a way that is respectful of your intelligence. They want to do something that's clever, and they want to create an exchange. Of like dancing potato chip ads and <laughs> and <laughs> having ethnic people dancing while they're slinging 
sugared water around. Is this one that has hurt you? I don't know. I just <laughs> I, I, <laughs> has hurt your heart. I just never see it in the real world. Yeah, that's that's true. Like so much of the stuff that's actually good, regular people don't like the stuff that wins awards at can. You don't see it that much. It's okay. not most people's everyday experience with marketing. Okay. Um, I do believe in I do believe in really good marketing. You know that there are these classic ads like the Apple nineteen eighty four ads. Yeah, well, that, those were incredible. Classic. But I, it is v- an Volkswagen like ads. Sometimes like can. Yeah, you yeah. can you can make brilliant brilliant ads. Unfortunately, you know, I think that with the social with the rise of social media and with the rise of like the twenty four hour news cycle and things like that, there just needs to be more volume of stuff and not necessarily more quality stuff. And yeah. so as we consume more media and there's more advertising it's all going to kind of go down in quality if i could say one last thing when you were asking me what is ethical competitive advantage when i was studying yoga the place that i went to she she talked about like does what you have to say improve upon the silence you know just thinking about what you say and put out there and that's 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 kind of what i try to think of with companies is what you're putting out there does it improve upon the silence and there is no silence right now it's just all noise but are you contributing to a culture of noise or are you trying to cut through with something valuable? Okay, so let's bring that back, noise versus value, uh, back to the question about Donald Trump, okay? So um, I often say on the show that one of the reasons we have the first orange president is because right and left don't represent American views anymore. Trump kind of dramatized, is a dramatization of that frustration uh, of our antiquated kind of bifurcated system, which doesn't really work anymore. You have a lot of people that are on the right that have so maybe fiscally that think socially a certain way and vice versa. Our politicians operating off this old system, repulsing us the same way as these potato chip and soda companies showing minorities dancing with the soda and the chips, uh, which I've never seen anybody do, uh, does a lie of just being trying to sell us like the other politicians uh, were trying to do. I would say that about the the left and right candidates in the context of Donald. Does that kind of elevate him to a status of electability? I sort of lost the question. <laughs> Chris, did you understand the question? I didn't follow now. My question is that w- because our political system is such a marketing machine, and I hate that word because a marketing means some th- different things to different people. But we'll, I'll say it means demand generation. Uh, does the fact that our political, the 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 normal players in our political system on the left and right, these are focus group oriented marketing machines that are constantly trying to figure us out and spewing back at us what they think we want to hear? So a guy comes out and says, "I'm not like that. I'm just going to shoot from the hip and tell you how I really feel." Um, does that? elevate him to a point of credibility because we can feel that these other people are just marketing us to us so hard. You understand what I'm saying? saying. Yes. Yes. I think that that did work, but I think what's happening now is that some politicians are being seen, are are coming out and being more transparent of who they really are and showing that their real selves and not just their focus grouped messages. They're rare, but there's more of them now. And then also their modalities of communicating with us. I have a friend who's a strategist who Um, was working on a campaign and they would create fake dating profiles and catfish people just to get them talking about issues and they weren't mad about it because they're like this is kind of a cool way to talk about this local thing you know so it's I think as 
politicians get savvier and smarter and it's not just making phone calls and going door to door and and posters and things on your legal Chris, lawn. So Chris, based on what she's saying, could a more honest version of Donald Trump get elected? Like a guy that was like really meant it like, hey, I'm the transparent guy. I'm not representing a bunch of canned ideas on one side or the other. Here's what makes sense. Can a guy like that make it that is honest? I mean, I think that Chris for president. I think that people like that have gotten close in the last ten years, but they've they've ultimately been shut down for various uh, reasons. Heather, will the interweb force us to become more transparent? Where do we go from here? I really hope so. I think that that yeah. I think if marketing is the devil, then the internet is Jesus. Yeah. Okay, good. So in wow. uh, to sum it all up, I'm going to recommend a movie for our listening audience from the 1990s, starring Dudley Moore called crazy people where this ad exec who loses his mind ends up in an insane asylum and then the insane people help him come up with these honest advertising campaigns uh where they say like you know camel pulmonary cancer perhaps flavor for sure Volvo, <laughs> boxy but good exactly porsche a little bit too small to get laid in but once you get out you will get laid it's a brilliant movie and the dominoes suck campaign is the modern manifestation of that yeah the future of mar- advertising is transparency that's what i believe that's what i think that's where i think it's headed uh so that that's my take before we wrap it up we're gonna we're gonna take off everybody gets one last third uh, would you say, w- would you agree with me, May? The future is transparency? Yes. Okay. Heather? Clearly the answer is yes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Chris? I think that uh, with that so-called transparency, you're going to find a lot of faux transparency and a lot of faux authenticity. That's going to be the new thing. That's the new manipulation. I completely disagree, but on Chris's highly optimistic note, this has been Radioactive with our ver- thank you to our guest, Heather Lefevre, the author of Brain Surfing, the top marketing strategy minds in the world, the powerful Maid Arden, and my co-host, Chris Regentine. We'll see you next week. <laughs>